Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And let me double check that you can hear. Can you hear this? Yeah. You can hear it? We'll see. Maybe this will work. Maybe it won't work. Let's try it out. Either way, I'm going to suck at it because I haven't really practiced it. <laughs> it's, it's ideal. Yeah. Excited to listen. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Rob Reiner was kind of struggling to get back into the dating scene. After his divorce with Penny Marshall, he found the whole thing quite exhausting. Nora Ephron had similar feelings after her breakup with Carl Bernstein. The two of them met and she started writing a romantic comedy. You know, you know, you know, who would be good to play the roles? Meg Ryan and my friend Billy Crystal. When Harry met Sally, is what we're talking today here on Cinema Possessed. It could be Reiner's best. Iconic, platonic relationships, the topic set the mold and paved the way for all romantic comedies. Men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Yes! 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 I'll have what she's having. When you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you! Bruno, Bruno, Kirby... And Carrie Fisher supporting, but Rob Reiner's mom has probably the best line. I'll have what she's having, Meg Ryan orgasming. The only thing better are Billy Crystal sweaters. When Harry Metalli is what we're talking today here on Cinema Possessed. It could be Reiner's best. The other contender could be his film misery, but we'll just have to see. Today it's Harry and Sally. Wow. That was good. That was good. <laughs> All the rest stinkers. This, was, this one was one of the best. Cinema, <laughs> 
Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Nijam. And with us, as always, is the Bruno Kirby of this podcast, Corey Clifford. Mostly because you really love the song Wagon Wheel. And he loves (laughs) that Wagon Wheel coffee table. (laughs) Uh Okay. Okay, sure, sure. Uh, and each sure, week we sure. take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us to want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today, and in the end we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place in the shelf or be thrown out like a stupid wagon wheel Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table. You can't reference the wagon wheel two times in a row. I know, again? (laughs) Too many times. You can tell what part of the movie I thought was the funniest. (laughs) Wait, this isn't when Harry met wagon wheel? Okay, you did it three times, so now it's gotta die. I do like that all around Bruno Kirby's like taste as a character is just bad. Like his his wardrobes are bad. That like cut off sweater and jean shorts outfit that he wears mm-hmm. is almost embarrassing. The jean shorts that are so <laughs> long. His mustache, even like the stuff that he writes about, is like kind of cringy. It sounds like uh-huh. he's like, uh, what is it? Pesto is the quiche of the eighties. It's like that sounds <laughs> like you're a pretty bad writer. <laughs> but it makes him kind of a of adorable that he's just kind of a bad taste. Yeah, human I like being. Him. Yeah, I can relate. He cracked me up in the charades. Oh bit. my god, so funny! Draw literally anything <laughs> that resembles anything, <laughs> because that sounds like something you would say yes. in a, a Pictionary type game. That scene was really relatable because when the people aren't getting it, and all you're doing is just scribbling lines. It's really frustrating to be like, just draw something new. (laughs) Stop trying to make this drawing work. It's not working for us. Even though I think she does a pretty good job. I think she did a great job. Humble brag, but I knew what she was trying to draw. Mm. But Justin, let's not keep the people hanging much longer. What movie are we talking about today? Oh, like they couldn't already figure (laughs) out we're talking about 1989's When Harry Met Sally. Men and women can't be friends because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. (laughs) A faceless guy rips off your clothes, and that's the sex fantasy you've been having since you were 12. Exactly the same. Well, sometimes I varied it a little. Which part? What I'm wearing. You tell her about other women. Yeah. Like the other night. I made love to this woman. And it was so incredible. I took her to a place that wasn't human. She actually meowed. You made a woman meow? I need to talk. What happened? What's the matter? Harry came over last night. I went over to Sally's last night. Because I was upset that Joe was getting married. one thing led to another. And before I knew it, we were kissing, and then... Make a long story short, we we did did it. They did it. (laughs) Challenge. I'm difficult. I'm too structured. I'm completely closed off. But in a good way. Man, they devote a lot of time to that joke. Um, the sex dream? The dream. Yeah. I thought that was kind of a weird thing for a trailer, too. Yeah. Uh, my grind's just my everything. I love her. Folks, you probably noticed that this is two Reiners in a row. Uh, we did Princess Bride last week. 
We're doing When Harry Met Sally this week. That's what I call a Reiner Palooza. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't have a Reiner theme going on this month. We just decided to roll right into another Reiner because we're, we don't do things like other podcasts. We're a little edgier. <laughs> we're kind of like the bad boys of... And you know who says bad boy? <laughs> Rob Reiner. <laughs> we don't care what you think. You think it's weird? We don't care. You know, we just like, we came off of October just talking spooky movies. It felt like some time to talk some some feel goods. Mm-hmm. We don't give up. Also, I do feel like when Harry met Sally is the quintessential November movie. Oh yes, very aut- autumnal. It's very autumnal. It's the, I think of this movie once it hits once it hits after um thing or after Halloween. It's the first movie I want to watch, and the other movie I really want to watch mm. another Meg Ryan, another Nora Ephron. You got mail. Those are my fall time feel goods. Okay, well maybe we'll squeeze it into the main feed. Maybe it'll be Patreon. Maybe we won't do it at all. We'll see <laughs> how things go. <laughs> wow, what a tease, Corey. Did you grow up? admiring meg ryan oh my god yes this is a top movie of mine of all time we did jackie brown which i've said is my number one favorite movie when harry met sally might be number two and yeah meg ryan was always a staple in my whole life growing up also like my mom kind of has some meg ryan vibes was like was like a cute blonde like Mm -hmm. got compared to her a lot so yeah meg ryan's always she's been a main figure in my life her and julia roberts i think are like the romantic comedy queens of my generation yes this movie i don't know if i've said this on the pod but i've definitely said this to jack in conversations like i feel like the two of you will go see pretty much any horror movie that comes out because you grew up watching horror movies and the feeling that you had for them growing up to like you're you're maybe always searching for that too like that like oh like they that thing that just made you love the movie so much that is how i feel about romantic comedies romantic comedies that i grew up watching were like they i i never wanted to watch kid movies i never wanted to do anything i just wanted to be a grown up when i was a little kid because of movies like this mm-hmm. they were so romantic to me and fun and just felt like this is what adulthood is i want to be this and so even to this day now well i'm kind of jaded now but like every time Growing up, I would want to see a romantic comedy because I was looking, I was searching for this, for this when Harry met Sally. And they just don't make them like this anymore. They don't make them adult movies like this. Just like about a love stories about adults. That's like easy breezy. <laughs> like it's either like hard, depressing, dark. And those movies are great. Or it's like stupid dick humor. Yes. Like wedding crashers which i like wedding crashers but that's not a romantic comedy how do you feel about this movie justin i would say i like it overall um i'm not a romantic comedy connoisseur Mm -hmm. um but i always remember this one standing out to me and thinking if they were all like this then i would love romantic comedies Mm -hmm. um they tend to ride on the line of cheesy or there's tropes that i find a little gross and cringy and there weren't a lot of moments in the movie where I felt like I wanted to cringe or look away. <laughs> yeah. I think overall the movie did a good job of feeling not only fun from scene to scene, like, ooh, what's going to be the game of this scene? Mm-hmm. Like the baseball scene where he's explaining to his friend that he is essentially getting a divorce and his wife is leaving him for another man. And yeah. But they're forced to do the, the, <laughs> the wave crowd wave. <laughs> um, moments like that to me are 
brilliant. And I don't, I can't think of one romantic comedy that plays with humor in that way, mm-hmm. um, where it feels like there's kind of a game to the scene. Yeah. Um, so that to me feels like just a great fucking filmmaker and a great script. Yes. The dialogue yeah. is incredible. Uh, that's the thing is the dialogue, like you just saying that, like, that could if that scene was now there would be something so silly about like beer spilling or like just like too much like a hat on a hat on a hat and i think you describing it as like what the game of each scene is is so perfectly described because it's like there's just good conversation and one silly thing happening yeah. or whatever and it, it just feels like actual conversations adult people would be having too yeah it has the confidence to just understand that this is a movie about relationships and it doesn't feel the need to shoehorn in other genre stuff into yeah. it, which I feel like a lot of modern rom-coms, they feel like they need to put like an action sequence in there. Oh, we got to have a scene where like the dog gets out and they've got to chase it across Manhattan in a big car chase or something. Mm-hmm. They got to have a gross out humor part where somebody gets something stuck up their butt or they like <laughs> accidentally take too much shrooms. And it's because they don't really have confidence to explore the ideas about relationships they feel like they need to be constantly keeping your attention. This movie is is more intellectual than that. It's like, it's not really, I think a lot of rom-coms are like a quest. You know, it's, I've got to make them fall in love with me and I've got to go on this journey to like either fall in love with somebody or make them fall in love with me. This movie is more about the central questions and ideas of, of what relationships are like, particularly what it's like to be single and try to have a platonic relationship with another single person who is the opposite sex when you're a heterosexual person. And I think it's a it's a vignette piece. It's like every sequence is just a, a, a little short where they're having a conversation about a new idea within that concept. You know, you have stuff like the fake orgasm that you could sort of call like an over-the-top set piece, but it never tips the line of feeling silly. It never feels like it's desperately clawing for your attention. Mm -hmm. It's like playing it pretty grounded and realistic. I mean, Corey, you just watched um, the new Jennifer Lawrence Mm rom-com, No Hard Feelings, Mm -hmm. and your biggest complaint coming out of it was just like, it hangs low for so much of the movie. It just goes stupid so often yes. that it made you just be like, why Why does it have to be so stupid all the time? Can Can we not? Yeah. And this yeah. movie, I don't feel like ever goes stupid. And it's a, it should be a, a hallmark of like what you can achieve if you just sort of like take your character seriously and, and take the emotions within it seriously as well. I hope you watched No Hard Feelings on the plane. I did. I was. did. I did. Good. It was. I did. Good. <laughs> I think another reason, too, why this movie works for both men and women is because it's sharing the screen time with them. You're you're not just following the point of view of Sally, you know, so that kind of prevents the movie from feeling like a chick flick. Mm-hmm. And you're, it feels like you can you can both relate to each character as a man or a woman, but then you also get a little peek behind the curtain of like and I think that's, what the opposite sex is thinking. That's because of the of Nora Ephron and yes. Rob Reiner's relationship. It's very smartly written. Speaking of Reiner, I um, was not shy about my feelings about The Princess Bride in the last episode. I had issues with the film. I think you can go listen to the episodes if you want to know them in detail, but I would say if I sort of boiled down all my critiques of The Princess Bride, I feel like the filmmaking was lacking in all areas. With this movie, which came right after The Princess Bride, I noticed right off the bat, scene one, a noticeable, what I felt like was an upgrade in filmmaking 
on Reiner's part. Uh, I feel like he's more confident as a director. I feel like he's doing more with the camera, with the blocking, with compositions. And I think he only gets better once he gets into stuff like Misery and with A Few Good Men. It pointed something out to me that I think might be one of the issues with Princess Bride for me is that I think Rob Reiner excels with dialogue. I think he knows how to block scenes in a way that keep it interesting, even if people are just sitting at a table talking to each other or walking down a street talking to each other. He knows how to shoot it. He knows how to bring you into the sequences with with an energy that gets you engaged and excited. You know, even stuff like the scene with Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan in the car driving from Chicago to New York, and they're having the whole conversation while Billy Crystal is like chewing on grapes and spitting them out the window. <laughs> Even just like that little addition keeps this like energy to the dialogue that is brilliant. And I think part of the reason why I don't feel that kind of hand in Princess Bride is because that's not a very talky movie. That's much more of an action movie, more of a jokey movie. Well, also Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal are like two of the most charming actors ever. Very well cast. And so that's also a big help. Yeah. How did you feel about Billy Crystal in this film, Justin? You've had comments before in the past that, you know, part of his personality as an Oscars host and as a stand-up comedian can sometimes rub you the wrong way. In terms of this film as this character of Harry, how did he work for you? I think this is the best Billy Crystal gets. This Mm -hmm. is the best I've ever seen him. Mm -hmm. I can't really pull a lot of Billy Crystal out of my my tush. Yeah. (laughs) um, And say like I've seen his entire catalog. But this is less about Billy Crystal and more about his character, yeah. but I think he rides the line of being an extremely unlikable character throughout most of the movie while still remaining in your good graces. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a pretty interesting feat yeah. to pull off because uh, he's he's not a villain. He's not a bad, uh, terrible guy, but he's frustrating in a lot of ways. But in a recognizable and, way. Like in a way yeah. you've seen mm-hmm. your friends act that you maybe yourself has acted before. Well, I mean, he's very cocky and very arrogant. Mm-hmm. He thinks he knows it all, especially when it comes to, um, you know, when when he's talking to her. It is it is condescending, but it's not, again, it's not so condescending that he's irredeemable. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of his way And you way need to of... have him grow. You need to have him grow in some way. Yeah. Which he does, but yeah, he's not a typical lead. Mm-hmm. He's not what I would expect from a romantic comedy from this era. Yeah, um, and yet somehow he works so well. Yeah, it's it's not one note. He's a very different person five years after that initial car mm-hmm. ride, and he's an even more different person five years after that second meeting that they have. Even the scene where he like asks her out, and she basically says, like, I'm already going on a date, and he ha- you have to see him sort of in the moment process that response and be like, oh, no, that's good. I want that to happen for you. You can feel layers of performance going on there. He's embodying this guy in, I think, a pretty true and authentic way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think about Meg Ryan? You know how I feel. You know I'm I'm happy. You know I'm happy with Meg Ryan. <laughs> Pro Ryan. The thing is, that's what I think is so fun about Meg Ryan mm-hmm. is she's so beautiful and she's so just like cute. But she is weird. Like yeah. she be but and it's not just this movie. She's this way in every movie that yeah. she does. Like she there's like a quirkiness to her that is so specific. Yeah. That is 
just is makes you fall in love with her because somebody who is like so beautiful as she is could easily be like, oh, that's just like the beautiful actress love interest mm-hmm. lead, like boring, whatever. But she has such like a specificity to her yeah. that there's like nobody like her and there's like not been anybody like her since it, like, I guess I would maybe the closest I would maybe say is like Emma Stone sort of has that like quirkiness too, but I don't know. For sure. It works really well with the way the character's written too, because on paper, she's kind of a dork. She's a little bit of a dork. <laughs> she's kind of uptight. She's a control freak. But the way she depicts that works so perfectly mm-hmm. because you never get, I personally don't get irritated by her. It feels like the authentic eccentricities of somebody who does have a little bit of an insecurity. I mean, you can feel it in the sense of like when they when they cut to that five years later and you she's telling Carrie Fisher that she uh, her husband is leaving her and she's like, but it's fine. You know, like that's the way it should be. That's a mask. You know, that's her being like, I, it doesn't bother me. Everything's fine. And, and Carrie Fisher's literally like you don't you're not bothered at all emotionally by this that yeah. to me felt so true of like people some people are weird like that my i have a little bit of that in me where it's like i try to let everything kind of roll off of me and people who do that are sort of masking emotions in a way that kind of make them weird in other areas of their personality and i think part of the the journey that her character takes is that through this more platonic relationship with Harry, she starts to open up and become a little bit less of a of a mask that yeah. she is at the beginning of the movie. So you think you're weird? <laughs> he thinks he's just a little that. quirky. He's just a little that. quirky cute. Well, you said that you repress your repress emotions and that uh, I would say in the relationship usually makes you weird in other ways. I would say in my relationship with both Corey and you, I am definitely the Sally and you guys are the Harry. Because you two are the we're the nihilist. more brooding, like wear your emotions on your sleeve, people. And I'm a little Justin bit more of me. What do you ever? Could I'm you more mean? of the optimist, but maybe then kind of like shielding myself into like kind of weird person. <laughs> There's a weirdness about you, like <laughs> sure, 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 yeah, I see it. Yeah, I think in general this is a hallmark of a good romantic comedy uh i've always felt that way but i feel it every time we watch it um that this movie it holds up it doesn't it ages really well i think i think it does too and uh, i can't believe we've gone this far without asking the question do you think that men and women can just be friends well i don't know if it's i don't know if there's a hard answer <laughs> to it to be honest i think what's most interesting about the movie is that it presents the question I know that Rob Reiner feels like there's an answer, and I think people could get to the end of the movie and see how what happens in the third act and say, oh, there's your answer right there. But Um, the end of the movie, that wasn't the original ending. I know. That's what makes it confusing for me a little bit, too. I I think it's more interesting that the movie is just kind of wrestling with the question rather than trying to define an answer to it. Because I think think it just depends on the human being, honestly. Like, I I think men, women, and everyone in between can be friends. There's always an element of attraction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's no way to not to love a friend and, and, well, maybe you have some friends that there's no attraction to, but I think if you love a friend deeply, there's always a connection and there's intimacy and whenever there's connection and intimacy maybe sometimes there's a question about what it would be like mm-hmm. if you were in a relationship with that person 
but in 2023 we have the ability to to make a choice to say i want to be friends with this person i don't want it to go further um and i'm okay with that and i think i have plenty of friends who um I also think the point that Billy Crystal brings up in the movie, Harry brings up in the movie of like, oh no, we can be friends now because if one of us is in a relationship or whatever, like then then you can be. And I do yeah, think I do think but, that but he is does true. talk himself out of it after he says that. I know, but but <laughs> when he was saying that I was like, Yeah, I was like, because the people, the men in my life that I feel like are like my closest friends and the way that I, it can be platonic is because I have always had you. I have never been single and that has never been on the table. Not that like these guys are trying to get with me, but me, them, these are people because they, I'm so close with them. Like I probably would have had a crush on Justin or something like, you know, like in an alternate world, Yeah. but because that has never been on the table, that has just never been on the table. So it's like, Oh, I'm like an, a safe, easy person, like woman yeah. to mm-hmm. be friends with because of that. Yeah. I think the, the, the one, the factor the the sexual attraction has to be there. And I think there are relationships between men and women that don't have a sexual attraction. And I think if that's the case, you're probably good to be friends because there's not a sexual be attraction friends. that's going to tempt it. But that's probably rarer. There's usually going to probably be some sort of sexual attraction between hetero couples. And so if that sexual attraction is there, then the other dynamic of it is, is if you are in a relationship. The the problem to me feels like denying that, like there is no sexual attraction at all. If you, if you are living like that, then you're living under a rock. Yeah. Um, So to me, the question today feels better to be like yes you um you can be attracted to other people but you can still make a choice exactly to be friends and get great value out of that you yeah. know i don't my friendships are imbalanced into if you want to look at it in terms of like gender yeah um and that's just the way it kind of has worked out or who i feel more comfortable around and connecting with and I enjoy that and I don't always feel like I'm able to connect or be intimate or have vulnerability with some other friends. So why deprive yourself of that just because of somebody's, you know, sex or gender yeah. or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think that is the ultimate takeaway of the movie is like look how uh look how they both grow by being friends with each other. Mm-hmm. So whether or not they get together at the end or whether they did an ending where they didn't get together or whether they never return from that fight that they have and they don't become friends anymore, at the end of the day, their relationship with each other as friends helped both of them become evolve into better people. I think that's ultimately the takeaway you can have um, despite which version of it you believe whether you can or can't like have a uh, a forever relationship with a with a person as a friend without sex getting in the yeah. way but of course there's no one size fits all yeah you know it's like whatever works for i don't think we'll ever find a definitive answer to that question just because it's so absurd too many but factors yeah yeah maybe maybe some people can't handle that and but it's the thing that it's the thing of that movies are made of though it's like this is the question that will be asked in movies forever yeah or played with right and because it's a fun trope 
in all the making of stuff, Rob Reiner is very adamant that like they cannot be friends. He's <laughs> like, he is like men and women, they can never get over the hurdle of sexual, of the sexual thing in between them. It's just impossible to have a close friend uh, that's the opposite sex unless you are married to them. It's, it's Billy Crystal story. doesn't agree though, but he was, but yeah, he, he said, thinks it's a little more in the middle. He says it's more in the middle. He was, um, but also, which we'll get into this more when we talk about this movie but the thing that i think is so cute and funny in this movie is that they talk about this that like the harry and sally relationship is essentially just rob reiner and billy crystal's friendship (laughs) which is the funniest like they're like that's the actual like this is our friendship these are Mm -hmm. the conversations that we have right like the when we get there we can talk more about it but like when it's the split screen of them like watching movies together Mm -hmm. that was put in because rob Ryder and billy crystal up until this point had did that every single night they just laid in bed and called each other and watched movies together and that's adorable Mm -hmm. One thing I wanted to ask y'all is that when this movie came out, it did it did pretty well, but it did get kind of uh, critically. It was a little more mixed, mostly because people thought this was like knockoff, watered down Woody Allen, and a lot of reviews would compare this movie to Annie Hall and to Manhattan. I have to say, I do see it. I understand what the reviews are are talking about because. This does very much have a Woody Allen feel, the New Yorkness of it all, the 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 music. You look at the wardrobe that Meg Ryan wears. She looks like Annie Hall a few times yes, in this movie. Yes, she she's does. got the big baggy pants and the big wide brimmed hat and stuff. And it's like I like this so much better than any of the Woody Allen movies. I think it's easy to look in Absolutely. hindsight. I mean, I fully see the comparisons. Yeah, especially because Woody Allen and his controversies and stuff. Yes, it's yes, easy yes. to look back and be like, well, this movie's better. And like, I don't agree because fuck Woody Allen or whatever. But I could see myself at the time. I, was, I wasn't alive. At, well, I was alive, but I was one years old at the time. I could see if I was an adult at the time, I would maybe have been one of the people side-eyeing this movie a little bit because I would imagine that I would have seen Annie Hall and I would have been a fan of those movies and I would have probably felt like this was copying it. But with the the benefit of hindsight and seeing how this movie has permeated culture i ag- almost agree that this is sort of a more broad version of a woody allen movie but yes. i think that's its superpower that's why i think i like it better is because it is broader and to me and, it, and it's more romantic yes and more relatable yeah i mean i loved a lot of woody allen movies growing up Mm -hmm. because they're so so specific yeah whereas this movie like i wouldn't go to i wouldn't have i wouldn't at all now but i wouldn't have gone to a woody allen movie (laughs) to find a if i caught you there i know be canceled (laughs) i wouldn't have gone to a when i wanted to watch a romantic comedy i would have not have gone to a woody allen movie i like those just aren't romantic yeah i mean i think i think any hall is pretty romantic it's too, it's too... But it's. it feels like it's less like, you're not watching it and going, I relate to all this stuff. You're watching right. it going, this guy's weird. Yes. And this is this is like, I kind of, I feel empathy for this guy, but I'm, I think this movie is really trying to be like, we've all been there, right? Like, we've all felt these feelings. We've all had this kind of a... Uh, questions. I think this movie is trying to tackle something that is much more universal. And that's not a dig on Woody Allen's work. You should be specific. But I think that's the reason why this movie, I think from a pop culture standpoint, is Annie Hall's a popular movie. Everybody knows it. Most people have seen it. But this movie is replayed constantly on television, quoted even more than than Annie Hall. I think it has burrowed its way into the conscious of our culture 
more because it's just more relatable in a lot of ways. I've never seen a Woody Allen movie. I canceled him like way back in the 80s. I already knew he was problematic. Uh Uh (laughs) You could see right through. But it's been a long time since I've seen a Woody Allen uh, movie, but I I do have a... I like I I have an urge to say I don't think Woody Allen's movies are that like f- that different than Harry Met Sally. I do think Harry Met Sally leans and skews a little bit more mainstream, but like let's not give Annie Hall too much credit and make it seem like it's this you know right. indie punk underground <laughs> no fringe romantic comedy. It still has it still feels like it's born from the same world and the same mindset um but that being said why can't why can't multi you know movies be inspired yeah. by other things that came before it and try something new uh, i don't i'm not ever really the one to jump on a bandwagon to say oh this movie ripped off another movie unless it's like something along the lines of like a mechanic like what groundhog day has those feel disgusting to me when a movie comes out and it's like ooh it's like groundhog day mm-hmm. it's a it's a time loop mechanic those gross me out because it just feels like copying a mechanic right. and and ch- tweaking one little thing in order to make it your own mm. versus romantic comedy is like a genre. It's so it's such an archetype to have person A meets person B and they fall in love, but it's not easy. And let's watch their journey. Right. That's an archetype. That's that's a genre. Yeah, that's a universal human experience. I don't feel like I look at when Harry met Sally and think it looks like Annie Hall in a bad way. Yeah. I think it looks like Annie Hall in a good way because Rob Reiner didn't molest anybody. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about, I almost said Annie Hall. I knew you were about to, I could tell. (laughs) When Harry met Sally. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking Rob Reiner's When Harry Met Sally. This is Wait, a- I got a good, I got another good title. Okay, for for the movie, ready? 
Glen Gary, Glen Sally. Mm. <laughs> Folks, he's been working on this for too long. Do not give it to him. Wouldn't that be a fun, uh, fun mashup? Yeah. Get Alec Baldwin Ooh, in Al there. Pacino, Meg Ryan. Oh, ABC. Always be C- Casablanca on television. No, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know what to say, everybody. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry that this we're is not happening. we're not uh, Nora Ephron's over here. Okay, yeah. Yeah, no apology necessary, Corey. This is what they're here for. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Unfor- uh, surprisingly, you're right. <laughs> I, this is I a, a Castle say. Rock Entertainment production, which is Rob Reiner's company. I believe he started this company during Stand by Me. Castle Rock is based off of a Stephen King. Uh, name of a place but they they um castle rock self-financed this movie so they were their own production company he didn't have to take any notes from any studio they got to make it what a dream completely the way they wanted to um and uh they in all the making ofs they keep calling this the little film that could they keep saying like it's this teensy tiny little baby movie and i'm like guys this is not that teensy tiny (laughs) billy crystal was pretty popular at the time Meg Ryan was uh, discovered from this movie, though. She was? I was actually I I think she had done some other stuff, but this is what, like, put her into the... Put her on the map. Put her on the map. And Um, she became, like, Nora Ephron's muse. mm Mm-hmm. It had to be you, Harry Connick Jr. Okay, did Harry Connick Jr., was he a singer first or an actor first? Singer. He was a singer first. I believe. That's crazy, because... I think just because of the movie Hope Floats, I have always thought that he was an actor. And when I found out he was a singer, I was like, wow, that actor can sing. My favorite Harry Connick Jr. role, Bug. Oh, yeah. He's He's the bad. He's like the vicious bad boyfriend in William Friedkin's Bug. And he's good. William Friedkin's Bug? Yeah. William Friedkin directed that? Yeah. The Tracy Letts play? Mm -hmm. With Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon? Wow, wow, wow. I did not know that. And uh, and Connick Jr., buddy, you are good in that movie. I got to give you props. And I always liked him in Independence Day, too. Fellow pilot with Will Smith. He can be good. He can be good. And this uh, this soundtrack for this film is what put him on the map. Rob Reiner had never heard of Harry Connick Jr. before. He was looking for somebody to do music for the movie. A buddy of his who was a musician was like, hey, you should listen to the tape of this guy. He listened to it. He thought his voice sounded like a young Frank Sinatra. And he said, I'll have this guy do the music for my movie. Wow. He has a few needle drops in the movie from other pe- people, but for the most part, all of these uh, piano orchestrations, uh, these are this Harry Connick Jr. And the album went like platinum, and he toured the 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 world doing this album. And uh, after that, he was a household name. Wow. I was sitting with my friend Arthur Kornblum in a restaurant. It was a horn and dotted cafeteria. And this beautiful girl walked in, and I turned to Arthur, and I said, Arthur, you see that girl? I'm going to marry her. We fell in love in high school. Yeah, we were were high school sweethearts. But then after our junior year, his parents moved away. But I never forgot her. You never forgot me. We were married 40 years ago. We were married three years, we got a divorce. Then I married Marjorie. But first you lived with Barbara. Right, Barbara. But I didn't marry Barbara. I married Marjorie. Then you got a divorce. The wraparound interviews, I really like them. I think they're so cute. They make me cry. They're really cute. And I think he does an exceptional job of making them feel real. 
I also put that I I realized after watching Princess Bride in this, uh, Rob Reiner loves a narrator for his films. He loves to cut out of the film to like a little narration. He mm. does it all throughout Princess Bride and he does it all throughout this. I feel like the the wraparounds serve exactly what Fred Savage and Grandpa serve. Yeah. Well, it goes back to that this is a vignette piece. And so I think they knew they basically just had sort of a, a, a series of scenes that didn't necessarily connect. There's a lot of time jumps between each scene. And so I'm sure Reiner was probably like, what can I kind of put in between them to to just like f- transition from from one chunk of the movie to the next chunk of the movie? And I think it's a brilliant idea. They were doing basically this movie is very much about Rob Reiner's life. He had been married to Penny Marshall for 10 years. Mm-hmm. They divorced. He was back in the the dating scene. He hated it. He was really struggling. He found that it was really weird to have relationships with women when he was a single man. And so uh, he met with Nora Ephron about another idea. He pitched it to her. She didn't like it. She immediately like turned down this other idea. And he's like, well, I have been thinking about this story about what I'm going through, basically. And she liked it. She's just like, I can sort of see that as a movie. So she interviewed him and got all of his details. And a lot of what Billy Crystal's character says and does in this movie is like verbatim things that Rob Reiner said and did. But on top of that, they interviewed other people. They would go around uh, to the production offices and they would ask people about their relationships and their parents' relationships. And they sort of gathered all of this material and wrote these little wraparound stories and then hired actors to come in and play these parts, which I think is amazing because these feel like documentary. And I think the actors that they chose are killing it. Do you feel like those interstitials would have been stronger if they had been real? Because although they are very, very good, mm-hmm. they still you can still tell their performance. And when it's emulating real life, it just makes you wonder, would it have been stronger if it was real? Well, I growing up, I always thought they I were real. I always thought they were real, too. That worked on me in terms of convincing me and, and adding the charm. I bet you if you polled the average... American, they probably would think that these were just documentary yeah. subjects. They're cute. I mean, you're able to do things you couldn't do if it was completely real, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, they do feel real. Yeah. Especially the couple that's like, that's like talking over each other. I actually thought while watching it, I was like, damn, they're really good actors. And he's like, and then we ran into each other seven mm-hmm. years later. And then no, and then the elevator, and then the elevator. And I was like, oh, they're so cute. Yeah. Also too, Rob Reiner met the love of his life on this film. So what? he was single, obviously, when he was coming up with the idea and writing it and everything. Um, but then during production, the cinematographer who is Barry Sonnenfeld, who was the DP for the Coen brothers. He did Blood Simple. He did Raising Arizona. He did their first couple of movies, Miller's Crossing. Then he went on to become a director himself of stuff like The Addams Family. He was the DP, and he introduced Rob Reiner to his now wife, Michelle Singer, on this movie. I cry. So he he kind of like, you know, all of these stories that these wraparound couples are talking about are their, when they met each other, you know, their first love at first sight kind of stories. And it's really cute that Rob Reiner had That's his so little cute. Love, love at it. first sight story on this movie. Do so we open in Chicago, 1977, University of Chicago? Right away, the filmmaking is bumped up. It starts on like a close up of Billy Crystal. And this woman making out, we do the slow, like circular dolly around their head to reveal Meg Ryan in a car behind them as she like pulls up and then has to like beep at them to get them to stop making out. 
it just feels like a technical level of filmmaking that was nowhere to be found in The Princess Bride to me. I was already like, okay, I'm in the hands. Dude, we get God, it. You hate, hate The hates Princess the movie Bride. So much, we got it. Talk about it. For two episodes. <laughs> two episodes. God forbid it goes into three episodes. <laughs> Oh, I'll keep We're mentioning talking it. Terminator 2 next week, and he's still talking how Can much you believe how much better Princess this is Bride. than Princess Bride? Oh, yeah. The the wig work, beautiful. I think really the good. The wigs are really good in this movie. Yeah, so it's supposed to be that they're like fresh out of college. Yeah. They are, they've graduated. Meg Ryan is on her way to New York, and she's given Billy Crystal a ride. They don't know each other. They're a friend of a friend. She looks incredible. She's got mm-hmm. like a Farrah Fawcett mm-hmm. hairdo going on. Did her outfit in this sequence, Justin, remind you of um, Evil Dead 2? Yes, and her mess, her makeup. Yeah. yeah, I thought the same thing. It looks like it was right out of the Evil Dead Two uh, costume wardrobe. Mm-hmm. But I think he looks pretty fucking cool. He looks too. great. I, I love, I love it. his little yeah. wig and his sideburns and like he's just also kind of got the mentality down. Cool too. guy. For when sure. you're when you're playing older or when you're playing younger, you do kind of have to shift your body language mm-hmm. a little bit because younger people are a little more wiry and and mobile, and older people are a little stiffer. And he kind of you can tell he's he's kind of got that sweat. Swag, the young, hot, cocky, kind of elitist swag that his character has. For sure. And he's a, he's a bit of an asshole in this whole sequence. Sally is very bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. She even has some dialogue in there where she's sort of My like- My life hasn't even started yeah, yet. Yeah, I haven't even lived a life in Chicago. I'm wa- I want something to happen to me in, in New York. Uh, but I did also, when they show that Chicago skyline, it like made me get butterflies. I was like, ah, oh, I miss fall time in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah, and I appreciate that they sort of give them both, like, she's kind of got her annoying quirks, like, they go to a restaurant, and she's, like, very particular about the way she wants her salad, she wants everything on the side. He's obviously kind of an asshole, he's got a dark side to him, he (laughs) says he reads the last page of every book, so he knows how the story's gonna end just in case he dies. Um, So dark. Oh, man, he's a dark guy. (laughs) They should have given him crow makeup, that would have really sold that his darkness. You brought up the him eating grapes in this scene already, but yeah. when he spits the seed and it goes on the window. Funny. Hilarious. Hilarious. They go to a diner and he ends up asking her, kind of hits on her. He says like, you're very attractive. And she feels weird about it. And she's like, let's just be friends. And this is basically when he presents the question of the movie, which is that he believes that men and women cannot be friends. You realize, of course, that we can never be friends. Why not? What I'm saying is, and this is not a come on in any way, shape, or form, is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. That's not true. I have a number of men friends and there is no sex involved. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you don't. Yes, I do. You only think you do. You're saying I'm having sex with these men without my knowledge? No, what I'm saying is they all want to have sex with you. They do not. Do too. They do not. Do too. How do you know? Because no man can be friends with a woman that he finds attractive. He always wants to have sex with her. So you're saying that a man can be friends with a woman he finds unattractive? No, you pretty much want to nail him, too. What if they don't want to have sex with you? Doesn't matter, because the sex thing is already out there, so the friendship is ultimately doomed, and that is the end of the story. Well, I guess we're not going to be friends, then. Guess not. That's too bad. You were the only person that I knew in New York. So he ends up dropping him off, and you can tell that they like don't like each other by the end of this car ride. But we know. We're in a romantic comedy. They're going to like each other later. Cut to five years later. 
new wigs. Yeah, I guess they are wearing wigs. Meg Ryan definitely is. Now, there's a there's a mirroring theme that I noticed while watching this movie. Everything you you see one perspective, and then you see the same thing from the other person's perspective. So in our opening shot of the movie, it's a close up on Billy Crystal making out with a girl, and then the camera wraps around and Meg Ryan rounds the corner in the car. Cut to five years later, it's a close up on Meg Ryan making out with a guy, mm. and then the camera wraps around and Billy Crystal appears and notices them. So it's the start of this motif that happens all through the movie where you see one person do something, and then in the next scene, you'll essentially see the same thing, but through a different point of view. I like it. It's just smart filmmaking. You can tell Reiner's thinking about this shit, and how can I tell this story in the most interesting way? Or... Nora Ephron could have written that into the script. Oh, that's script. true. I don't want to take credit away from, from Ephron, too. She, she, she could have written it in the script. Very well could have. It does sound like, as a whole, this movie was extremely collaborative on everybody's part. Yeah. Nora did all the writing and seemed to have done all the research, but a lot of her research was from Reiner telling his stories. When Billy Crystal got cast, he came in and brought his own perspective on it, as did Meg Ryan. And when we get to the diner scene, that whole scene is this force of collaboration between all of them that makes that scene so special. We talked about this in the Modern Romance episode, but Albert Brooks was originally offered the part of Harry. He turned it down because he felt like it was too close to Woody Allen. He thought it was way too much like a Woody Allen movie. He, all through his career as a filmmaker, had been compared to Woody Allen. People called Modern Romance a Woody Allen ripoff. We talked in that episode about how we don't agree that that's a Woody Allen ripoff. But he didn't want to touch this movie because he felt like it was too close. Tom Hanks was offered the role. He thought it was too soft, which is interesting for Tom Hanks. Like he yeah, thought, especially because he goes on soft. to do Sleepless in Seattle, which is well, he realized he fucking missed. Yeah, he missed a, a good one. Uh, and Rob Reiner was actually really, really hesitant to cast Billy Crystal because they were very, very close friends. They had met on the set of All in the Family. As Corey mentioned, they would talk on the phone every night watching television. And Rob Reiner was so hesitant to cast him because he was like, I loved our relationship as friends so much that I didn't want to risk fucking it up by now having to work with him and potentially getting into fights or having disagreements and stuff. He's like, I value it. Or falling in love. You know, it could happen. Yeah, I guess that's true. Falling in love with your star. Mm -hmm. We've heard about it. We've talked about it. David Cronenberg, he fell in love with Jeff Goldblum. Mm Mm-hmm. He wanted to work out together. <laughs> Get buff. With and what him. I want to say, um, in defense of Billy Crystal and as an actor, uh, hey, directors, don't fucking worry about that. Just cast your friends. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on. Corey has a particular opinion about uh-huh, this subject. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just cast your friends. But he knew it was the right role. Like he knew yeah. he would kill it. And so eventually he was just like, I. Felt like our friendship was strong enough that I could take the chance that it would it would withstand whatever pressures and and problems that might arise as uh, between an actor and a director. And he said it did. It was fine. And it was a perfect collaboration. And so, uh, yeah, Billy Crystal brought tons to that character and talked about how he knew he was playing a version of Rob, but that eventually he was like, I had to kind of push Rob Reiner away and bring in Harry, like make the character Harry and not Rob, because it's not when Rob met Sally. You get that? You see what I did there? Um, did it? Did they? Did you make him Harry with like like a prosthetics? Like how did they? How did they make him more on hairy? his head? Yeah, but only on his head. Mm. Got it. Shaved everywhere else. That was 
That was uh, Rob Bottin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they got Rick Baker to come in. Yeah, Tom. No, no, no. Tom Savini. That was there Tom you go. Savini. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sex machine. <laughs> so yeah, they end up seeing each other again five years later at an airport. They fly on an airplane together. They have a similar sort of frustrating conversation. He's like a little softer, but he's still got the edge to him. And he's about to get married, which shocks Sally. You, of all people, you're about to get married. And he kind of has his own theories on it. And he has an amendment to his rule Mm -hmm. where he says, actually, a man and woman could be friends if they are both in serious relationships. That's the only amendment. But then he kind of talks himself out of it because he basically says that like, but the problem is, is that your spouse will inevitably get jealous because they will think there is a sexual attraction and then they'll start to question what it is about them that you're not attracted to. And then ultimately it'll all blow up anyways. And so you may as well not even try it to begin with. And of course she's like, I hate you. She calls him like the Antichrist or something yeah, in this, in so this sequence. It's really Angel funny. Angel of death. Angel, Angel of, of death. death. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they don't see each other again for another five years. Cut to five years later. They're both basically getting dumped. And we get to meet their two best friends. I feel like that's important. Yes. He, his best friend is Bruno Kirby. Her best friend is Carrie Fisher, who we all know. Princess Leia. She's so good in this movie, too. She's Let's amazing. Give a little moment for Carrie Fisher. She oh. is so funny. And I think this was one of her f- last roles before she kind of officially transitioned into being like a script doctor for Hollywood and kind of stopped acting for a while. She came back and did Princess Leia. She was in like the Austin Powers movies. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I didn't know that. That what? She became a script doctor? Yeah. Yeah. That, like she had uh, stopped acting. Well-known and highly paid script doctor. Wow. Uh, most of her work goes uncredited because th- that was part of the deal, but she would get paid to come in and clean shit up. Wow. That's um, cool. Mm-hmm. She's really funny in this role. Bruno Kirby is always funny. Ugh, he's so good. He's such like a good... Best friend. Yeah. Yeah. Because he, he plays a best friend in Modern Romance too, and yeah. he's so funny in that too. And it's the same kind of... Similar kind of dynamic, too, where he is the therapist to the best friend. He's playing armchair therapist and trying to give his insight. And that person usually kind of snaps at them the same way Albert Brooks snaps at him. There's a really funny moment in this baseball sequence when he basically reveals to Bruno Kirby that like, he came home one day and his wife was moving out and he didn't know why she didn't tell him. And then he followed her to where the moving truck was going and realized that she was moving it with another guy. And Bruno Kirby says, well, marriages don't break up on account of infidelity. It's usually just a symptom that something else is wrong. And then Billy Crystal goes, oh, really? Well, the symptom is fucking my wife. <laughs> and yeah, that sequence is really funny because all through their really deep and emotional conversation, they keep having to stand up and do the wave with the crowd at this football game. I do feel like the Billy Crystal in this scene because I'd be like, fuck you. Like, yes, obviously something else was wrong, but you're my best friend. Just (laughs) feel, let me like, feel bad for me. Make me feel better. He's just reacting genuinely. He's just like, well, I've heard before. That's so you. Well, the whole movie, he's supportive, but he's also like so annoyed with Billy Crystal. Like, you love Meg Ryan. Like, just stop wasting time. (laughs) Carrie Fisher's like the, her game throughout until she meets Bruno Kirby of being with the guy who's getting married. I think it's funny she's yeah. like and he's never gonna leave us husband and Meg Ryan always being like yeah no he's not you're you're right he's never gonna leave yeah. her or hurt his wife there's a funny moment too where she pulls out like a Rolodex from her purse and she's <laughs> trying to hook Meg Ryan up with another guy and somebody says isn't he married and she goes oh he is and then you see her put like a little dog ear on the thing <laughs> she's gonna give him a call later on I don't think she is dog earing it to be like ooh I'm calling this guy because he's married that's the way I interpret 
interpreted it. No, she's dog airing it of like, okay, he's married, so he's off the table for now, but she's not throwing it away because she's assuming he's going to get divorced. Mm, I think she dog airs all the... I agree with Corey. She's not just a homewrecker. Well, I wouldn't call her a homewrecker either, but later on the movie, she's supposed to be on a date with... But she asked, like, Meg, she asked Meg uh, Ryan's permission sometimes first. Jack just I know. has the weirdest perspectives. <laughs> she, she, likes- she falls in, she's on a date with, Har- with uh, Harry and she falls for the other guy. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Can maybe. you even imagine, Justin, let's just take a pause real quick. If Jack was single, like like what his life would like be like, like out on the dating world, like how he would read situations oh my i'm very curious i don't think he would ever find a partner again (laughs) (laughs) thank you exact exact answer i want there is definitely a part of me that watches this movie and i'm like uh, it is in a in a similar way of like watching a fantasy because i just don't technically relate one-to-one to to anything these people are going Uh, through but i feel like that must be different for you justin because you've had much more single life experience than i have yeah i was a skank (laughs) (laughs) that's true does it bring like does a movie like this bring back anxieties does it bring back a a sense of nostalgia for this version of your life (laughs) it's neither i mean there's there's different chapters of life where it's more fun than others and other chapters where it's extremely like I think in the era of online dating, it's miserable. Yeah. For everybody. Nobody <laughs> likes it. It's not fun. It's horrific. You're Car- you're <laughs> and, Carrie Fisher laying in bed being like, yeah. please tell me I'm never gonna have to go back out there again. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, this is pretty uh, far yeah, from I mean that. it's fun. It's fun to meet. I mean, just think about it in terms of if it works out, it doesn't work out. It's still fun to have h- hope and possibility and excitement of like, ooh, what's it going to be like? Mm-hmm. And you get to meet somebody new and even if you don't see them again, it's still kind of fun to to meet someone new and mm-hmm. get to know them. So I would say overall, I think, you know, people people like it. Yeah. It's fun. But I mean, you'll, you'll never <laughs> people know. People like it. You'll yeah. never know. Do you feel sad that you missed out on that oh, experience? Well, for sure. In, in certain ways, there is like yeah. a, there is a sense of like, well, you know, I just didn't have that, you know. The positives I don't definitely want- outweigh the negatives. But yes, I mean, there's always like, huh, that's a part of life we just never experienced. There's also sort of a crucial moment in this movie where Carrie Fisher leans over to Bruno Kerr and says like please tell me i don't ever have exactly to be on the other what i just said to justin one minute ago oh you did <laughs> you i literally i literally that, just have, said to justin don't, don't you think out. that now you're the carrie fisher who leans over in bed and says please don't make me ever have to go back out there again <laughs> no joke said that but 30 seconds ago well that brings up an interesting thing too you know there's a there's a women fake orgasms conversation uh-huh. in this movie and men fake listening <laughs> exactly <to the laughs> that's that rob reiner said there was another dis- conversation that he and Nora efron had about how men fake listening <laughs> and they wanted to include it in the movie but like never sort of found the way to get it but in people there were like that's just too dark <laughs> Like we can't. Corey, you used to catch Jack all the time pretending to listen. Does it still happen or did it change? It just happened. It just happened right <laughs> but, now. Besides now. Besides now. I mean, I can he's tell. Probably, he's probably in his head queuing up the next thing he wants to say. He's a hard life hosting this thing. 
I can't. Uh, I can tell now. It's so easy for me to be like, "Did you listen to I one just go word I just said?" Huh? Yeah, uh-huh. drool. That's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh. The problem, the shittiest thing about when I suddenly snap out and I realize I. <laughs> I've been. She's been talking for like two or three minutes. I haven't listened to anything. It's always inevitably, I decide to ask a question that I think is going to like trick her into thinking that I was listening. But all it does is perfectly expose that I wasn't listening because it will always be exactly like what just happened. The exact thing I just said. Then he'll be like, "Huh? Well, I was just wondering." Da da da. I'm like. Is that a real question? I usually just snap out of blackouts and I just go, yeah, that's wow. I need to, I need to learn from that's from intense. That. Yeah. That's that wow. We that's should, wild. We should talk later about how to deal with these yeah. things. Yeah, I need we'll a little exchange, training. Exchange strategies. <laughs> so they hit it off at this bookstore. They're both a little broken now, although she kind of won't admit it. He obviously, being the sort of sad sack that he want, he likes to be, is sort of wallowing in his grief of his breakup. Do you like his beard? No, which is surprising because I'm always a beard person, 99.9% of the time. But I think Billy Crystal looks better without a beard. I kind of liked the beard. Made him kinda, it gave him an edge that I liked. They start talking on the phone. We get these fun sequences where they're watching Casablanca together. It's at a split screen. Uh, this brought back memories because I used to do this with friends all the time. I used to watch wrestling and talk on the phone with people and be like, whoa, X-Pac just told Stone Cold to suck it. Yeah, just the same. <laughs> just the same as this. <laughs> Do you think the Undertaker sleeps in his coffin, or do you think he just like wheels it out for the show? Wow, I would love to have seen those conversations. <laughs> Fun shot too within this sequence. There's a shot of Billy Crystal reading Misery. Do you notice that, Justin? It's so such a good Easter egg because yeah. it highlights his emotional yeah frame of mind yeah. while also being an Easter egg. He's for calling the his shot. Next movie. Yeah. yeah. So good. Great museum scene. For Warren, this is just a gorgeous sequence. Oh, so beautiful. They're walking through a park. This is where it really feels like autumnal. This is they, where you get the cover of the movie. Cover of the movie. They're walking through this museum, this huge windows with these gorgeous like orange trees. Cinematography is fucking awesome. Billy Crystal starts doing this voice. Please to repeat after me. Pepper. 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 Pepper, pepper, pepper. <laughs> pepper. Waiter, there is too much pepper on my paprikash. Waiter, there, there is too, too much, much pepper, pepper on my paprikash. On my paprikash. But I would be proud to partake of your pecan pie. <laughs> no. But I would but, be proud. But I would be proud to partake. To partake of your pecan pie. Of your pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan pie. <laughs> Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Would you like to go? Would, would. Not to repeat, please, to answer. Would you like to go to the movies with me tonight? Oh. Oh. Well, I'd love to, Harry, but I, I can't. Why do you have a hot date? Well, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I was going to tell you about it, but I don't know. I just I felt strange about it. Why? Well, because we've been spending so much time together. Oh, I think it's great that you have a date. You do? Yeah. According to the the behind the scenes stuff, 
this was unscripted. He was doing it. She had to kind of catch on. And there's a moment where she sort of looks off frame. And apparently that's her looking at Rob Reiner. And he goes like, just go with it. I struggle to believe it a little bit because there's a million different angles in this sequence of him doing all but this But maybe stuff. they started doing it. It was that. And then it was like, okay, now that was cute. We're going to shoot more of that. But also before she even does the look off frame, she starts mimicking him in a way that to me feels scripted. Jack, don't, don't ruin that. The, <laughs> the cute story. Maybe it's real. I don't know. Who's turning can't into say. the Billy Crystal negative can't, Nancy now, huh? Say. I wasn't there. I was a one-year-old baby in Arkansas. Was it anywhere close to this museum? Yeah, he asks her out on a date. She kind of has to turn him down because she already has a date. And he says that he's cool with it. And I've got to be honest, I believe him. I think he plays the scene in such a way where I'm like, I think he is cool with it. I think he almost feels like he had to. He had to shoot a shot. But in the back of his mind, he also doesn't want to ruin this new friendship that he has with her. And he's almost sort of like, okay with you know what I mean? The, even the fact that he's doing it in the goofy voice, too, feels a little bit like he's not, it's not a full-throated attempt to ask her out. It's sort of like a, he's testing the boundaries, and then he's getting the sign, and he's like, happy, happy to take a step back and not mm-hmm. even ever try again. What do you think? Do you get the vibe that he's sad in this moment? I think he's a little like, Ugh. You're not going to hang out with me, but is also like, oh, yeah, no, you should. I do think both things can be, I've, I've felt that emotion before. Both things can exist inside of you at the same time. Mm-hmm. You're, you're jealous and you know that you like how, ha- you know that you have feelings for someone, yeah. but you bury them so far down. You convince yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. that it's not going to work out mm-hmm. or whatever. Or you're pre- self-preservation too, because you're worried about rejection. Right. Um. So yeah, I think both can be true. And it's made very clear in these sequences too that he's not stopping dating. He's having lots of sex, it seems, while also maintaining this friendship with her. You know what I thought of during this scenes of this movie? These particular ones was that it's really weird to watch movies that you grew up watching where they people felt like old, like like older people, like these are adults, you know. Right. And now we are older than what they are at their oldest point in this movie. It's true. Isn't that fucking weird? But they still feel old. Because they're like 32. And Meg Ryan says, no, the clock doesn't really start ticking for a woman until she turns 35. And I'm like, (laughs) 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 that shook me to my core when she says that. It's just so weird because it's like, my whole life they've been older and like Billy Crystal looks older still in this movie but I'm like what? Do you feel that way Justin? Like when you watch them do they feel like they are past you in years or do you feel like they're equal or you're above? I kind of always feel that way and Billy Crystal especially looks a little bit older to me. I mean honestly he feels like he's in his 40s Mm -hmm. in this movie Uh but uh, I am so terrible when it comes to just guessing someone's age. And often they're like dramatically younger than me. <laughs> so I don't know how I look to people. Like, do I look like I'm older and I just see myself as someone who's just perpetually <laughs> 26? Forever young. <laughs> see, I think that's the feeling that I'm saying is like, I still feel young in my brain. But then it's like hearing, yeah. the, seeing these characters that I grew up with and then them referencing age and I'm like, whoa, I'm older than the age that they're referencing. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger was 44 when he shot Terminator 2. So Hell yeah, yeah. we got years to go. We got years to go. Wow, that's honestly, I'm so happy to hear that. I love it. Yeah, I wouldn't have been, but if you were if you were right and he was like 32, that wouldn't have surprised me. 44 in Terminator 2? Yeah, he's born in 47 and the movie was uh, released in 91. Wow, he's dramatically older than my parents. Well, I think he had a heart attack like right after that. What? <laughs> yeah. He had that whole thing where he like had to have heart surgery and almost killed him and then people were sort of like, can he be an action star Arnold anymore? Schwarzenegger did? I have no memory of this at all. Yeah, he had to have like a really risky open heart surgery and people were like, he's <sighs> done because he's not gonna be able to do action movies anymore and he had to come back. I think when he did End of Days was like his proof. <sighs> How he do could, I have no memory of this? He's like, I could I you, still got it. I'll be back. <laughs> I'm sure he said that in, in the hospital bed. As they you were wheeling the him into the bed, room. He raised, he raised <laughs> his thumb up on the hospital bed as he was going under anesthesia. <laughs> and it did, and it went bad too. Like he almost, they did the surgery and they thought it was a success and then something went wrong and he almost died. And it was a big, big controversy. Good next scene, too. I really like the next scene where they're telling each other about the dates they're on. They're in like this huge, beautiful loft apartment and they're rolling this rug. He's wearing this immaculate white sweater. He's got a lot of good sweaters in this movie. And there's one point when she cries on one and he says, oh, this isn't even one of my good ones. So we know he's got a lot of them. <laughs> so then we get the diner orgasm scene. Why are you getting so upset? This is not about you. Yes, it is. You are a human affront to all women and I am a woman. Hey, I don't feel great about this, but I don't hear anyone complaining. Of course not. You're out the door too fast. I think they have an okay time. How do you know? I mean, how do I know I know? Because they... Yes, because they... How do you know that they're really... What are you saying? That they fake orgasm? It's possible. Get out of here. Why? Most women at one time or another have faked it. Well, they haven't faked it with me. How do you know? she's having this scene was born out of the fact that they had so much material from rob reiner about harry 
that they were feeling like the script was leaning too much on Harry. So almost as like a challenge, he he asked Nora Ephron, what is the most vulnerable thing about women that you can throw into this script? And she said off the top of her head, she was just like, that we all fake orgasms. And apparently Rob Reiner did not believe her. <laughs> so much so that he was like, I've got to poll everybody. So he polled all the women in the production office and they all like unanimously were like, yes, we have faked orgasms. That feels weird to me. That's a weird detail. Kind of Where weird. did you get that? In, like, is that from his mouth? Yeah, or <laughs> from, the, that- as from the DVD making of commentary or documentary what a strange and borderline weird thing to do he said that if he did it today he would probably be canceled (laughs) he legitimately said that in the interview he's like it's something that you couldn't do today but i did it back then (laughs) and and he was like after hearing from all the women that they had faked orgasms he was like okay well that's then I, I guess I believe it. What can we do? And so what they did was they wrote a scene where they just talk about it. They just have the conversation where she says, I fake orgasms. And he says, and she says, all women do. And he says, no, they don't. And whatever. But Meg Ryan was the one who was sort of like, I feel like this should maybe be bigger. What if I faked it? What if I like what showed him that I could do it? So it was her idea to actually do the faking orgasm. So then Rob Reiner was like, well, if that's the case, then we need to put this in like a public space. We need to have it happen in like a diner. And then it was Billy Crystal who was like, and then after she's done, we should have some lady sitting beside the table say, I'll have what she's having. And then Rob Reiner was like, that should be my mom. <laughs> so this whole sequence that is like the most iconic scene of the movie is a full collaboration between all of these artists. So we've talked about all the times that you have been grossed out by something that has transcended the movie and become yeah. pop culture mm-hmm. mainstream. Do you, how did you feel about this, knowing how iconic it is? This is one of those classic cases where in the context of the movie, by the time you get there, the conversation that leads up to it, it works. And sometimes you it's just undeniable. I mean, it's you can't help but be transfixed as she's doing it. Mm-hmm. She's electric when she does it. It's great. How about you, Corey? I mean, I, I agree. Did you hear anything nope, that was said? I was fully looking at my phone. <laughs> <laughs> See, folks, it's not just men who don't listen. I know, but I was trying to find something about the Rob Reiner of it all, but I can't find it. What about it. you? I, Are you hinting towards that maybe you find it a little cringy? What do you what's your feelings? No, I don't. You're you just have mentioned Meg a Ryan times. doing it? Doing the the scene, just like yeah, the, yeah. the 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 fact that it's so the, popular and referenced. And I think it's an too iconic, iconic pop culture moment in a movie that becomes so overdone uh, that it grosses Jack out. You know, like the SNL skit sketches. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know why. I don't know how to to say what gets a pass and what doesn't. But I agree. I don't think. Uh, the scene bothers me. Yeah, it gets a pass, and I don't know why. Yeah. yeah, I mean, some things happen in movies, and they catch on because they were surprising, but you sort of, with time, you realize they kind of don't work tonally, and so sometimes that can be an issue, but uh, oftentimes they work because they work, and, and when you're watch- if you're sitting down and watching the movie and you're letting it wash over you, it'll just work. This one, this one works for me. It's a great scene. And I see this as an awakening for her character because she is fairly uptight and disguising her emotions with how she presents herself. But through this relationship with 
Billy Crystal, she feels like she can do something as sort of vulnerable and embarrassing as publicly fake an orgasm in the middle yeah. of a restaurant. I mean, it would it never happen. It still feels extremely in... unrealistic. Yes, it would but... never happen. But it's like the one thing in the movie that does that. So therefore, it gets the pass. Yeah, it feels like a good version of that sort of heightened gag yes. that a lot of modern comedies will take way too far or do a hundred times. Yeah. Yeah, the fact that it's done only once, I think, is also helpful. Yes, and you can go there today, and you can sit at that table. Yeah, they have like a sign up. The sign is cringy. The sign is cringy. This is where Harry met Sally. False. It's not where they met, for one thing. That's just the title of the movie, you dopes. And then underneath it, it says, hope you're having what she's having. Yeah. They're probably like a sweet ma and pa business. They just are. like struggling to I get by. Exactly. Are. That's why it's, it's like a sweet little diner. So I'm like, we just have to be happy for them that they have this. They're probably not struggling anymore. Now that they got that sweet, sweet sign <laughs> and all those autographs on the wall. Um, they try to hook each other up with their best friends. I like this sequence a lot. Billy Crystal is there with Carrie Fisher on a blind date. Bruno Kirby is there with uh, Meg Ryan. In this scene, she ends up sort of offhandedly saying, restaurants are to people in the 80s what theaters were to people in the 60s. And Bruno Kirby's like, I wrote that. His reaction to it, though, is so, like how he's like- It's amazing. Like gets big eyes and stuff. You're just, you're so happy for him. And he's instantly attracted to her from this, (laughs) which I understand. That would be the greatest compliment you could get. They don't even know they're sitting across from you and they're reciting something you wrote. Yeah. That was a fun moment. And I loved when both Harry and Sally kind of like create Uh this mood of like, hey, just, you know, just like wait, you know, to not like hurt the other person. (laughs) Yeah. And then he was like, well, I'm done walking. I'm going to get a cab. And she goes, "Uh, I'll (laughs) I'll I'll join you. you. (laughs) They both jump in. So funny. It's great. The timing of of all of that is just so mm-hmm. spot on. Mm-hmm. There's a fun little sequence at a sharper image where they start singing some karaoke with a machine that they don't refer to as a karaoke machine. They say, this is one of those singing machines. <laughs> huh. Do you remember when sharper image was just like the fucking rage? Yes. I remember being very thrilled mm-hmm. to be in it. Mostly I to go sit it was on the all the chairs. Store ever being like, whoa, this is what rich people have in their houses. But you could never buy anything from it. I could never convince my parents to get in. Never, because it was junk. It was just pieces of shit. It was like weird pencil sharpeners. Would this scene have been better if they had been in a Hot Topic? Jack, please move on. Gadzooks? Absolutely. It doesn't even make any sense. Hot Topic doesn't make sense. Why? Not, because it's for children. You're just saying words. I know. You're thank saying you. words. You're, you're having memories in your head yes. and you're just saying that. Hot Topic just- is a store for children. <laughs> Sharper Images is a store for adults. No, Hot Topic was a store that had Jack, all the band t shirts you could dream uh, yes, of. Yes, for children. And Harry and Sally would yes, be in there. Yeah, just exactly. imagine the riffs that Billy Crystal would do when he sees a tool t shirt. Oh my God, Jack. I don't think tool. you've been in a Hot Topic recently. Yeah. Well, I'm talking about Hot Topic of this time. Hot this Topic period. of this time didn't exist. Hot Topic came around when we were children. What am I thinking of? I don't. Spencer's? That was pretty good. I like Spencer's too. Jack, please move <laughs> Spencer's on. Spencer's would be better because then Gadzooks. there's like sex, exactly. sex stuff. Exactly. Gadzooks. Dildos. Gadzooks? <laughs> no, Gadzooks was a clothing store. That's what I'm talking about. That's where I got my Cartman t-shirt. <laughs> I, love I, I stole from there. From Gadzooks? Mm-hmm. Don't confess. Sorry. Statute of limitations. Yeah. Okay, keep it moving, Mr. Gadzook. So he gets sad when he sees his ex-wife at the store. Kind of puts him in a foul mood for a couple of days. There's this 
I think maybe the funniest scene of the movie. They're helping Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher, who are now a couple. Mm-hmm. Moving in together. And Bruno Kirby has this hilarious, ugly wagon wheel coffee table that Carrie Fisher just, what is it that you don't like about it? And she's like, it's so awful, there's no way to even explain how awful it is. <laughs> and she's right. That thing is hideous. But she's doing it in such a nice way. I know. <laughs> And, and then he gets really defensive of his bar stools too. He's like, "You don't like my bar stools." And meanwhile, he's dressed up in the most ridiculous, yeah. like moving outfit. And Billy Crystal ends up kind of like spiraling, and he is like, "Right now, everything is great. Everyone is happy. Everyone is in love, and that's wonderful. But you got to know that sooner or later, you're going to be screaming at each other about who's going to get this dish. This eight-dollar dish will cost you a thousand dollars in phone calls to the legal firm of that's mine. This is yours, Harry. Please, Jess, Marie." Do me a favor for your own good. Put your name in your books right now before they get mixed up and you don't know whose is whose. Because someday, believe it or not, you'll go 15 rounds over who's going to get this coffee table. This stupid wagon wheel Roy Rogers garage sale coffee table. I thought you liked it. I was being nice. And then Sally finds out that her ex is getting married. She calls up Billy Crystal crying. Tells him to come over. He gets there. She's sniffling. She's just so good at um, acting while crying. Yeah. She does it in You Got Mail a lot. She doesn't sleep. Like, she's just like, you give that's that like woman a, very a box iconic of tissues. Thing. She's mm-hmm. so cute, all stuffed up. She knows how to do it. It wasn't that he didn't want to get married. He didn't want to get married to me. He's so cute. Being a good friend, but then he's sneaking kisses. He sneaks like two kisses. Do you notice that? He keeps being like rubbing her back and then he'll be like, oh, you're going to be okay. <laughs> I know, but it's just, he's like, I know. Yeah, you're Then she's like, hang on. This dude's fucking kissing my ass. And then she leans over and they kiss for real. And he's got this look on his face when she kisses him like, like, whoa. I'm not saying he's, he's stealing kisses. I don't think he's stealing, stealing kisses him either. implies he's like planning to turn this moment into yeah. a... More than it is. I think it happens organically. I think so, too. I think so, too. I guess that's my question. You don't think there's a... You don't think he, that second... I don't think he has any ulterior motive it, until it's take happening. It Justin and Corey, take it from experts. This is our field. Just, <laughs> yeah. just you'll have to this just... Is our it's too field. complicated to explain you'll to you. You'll never Jackson. understand. <laughs> so he's just caught up in the moment of being a good friend. Yeah, we've all been there. Yeah, their faces are so close <laughs> to each other. Emotions are high. It's awkward. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Just kind of happened. And boy, does it. Now, should they have had a sex scene? We didn't need no, it. Something good. We didn't need it. No, we weird. got to see the kid. We got to see a nice kiss. And that's really what you want in a romantic comedy. You want a good, close-up, sexy little kiss. And then that's all we need. Yeah. Oh, but then we get him looking like he just wants to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, they have sex. And you know who I know something about that? <laughs> Justin. <laughs> Did you re- did you relate to that feeling of like, all right, the deed is done. Mm. How long before I can get the fuck out of this bed? Yeah, I I don't. I'm I was bad at leaving. I didn't know how to leave. <laughs> but I, I I know that feeling. I think there there are times when somebody comes over and it snowballs in a way you don't expect, but you're also getting to know them while this is happening, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel <laughs> fun anymore. Yeah. 
because of who they're evolving to be. Who they are. Uh, over who they are deep down inside. But I don't think. And so the fun, like the the dating and like being at the bar and like the mystery is like gets you excited, and then you spend a little bit more time with them, and you're like, this is yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> Wake up. Wake me up. Now, I don't think that's at all what's going on through Billy Crystal's head here because this is... I think he's just in a panic of like, this was my best friend. Yeah. He's just... He's realizing he's potentially just changed the entire dynamic of their relationship for the worse. And he's spiraling about it. So it makes it very relatable. He doesn't come off as an asshole in this moment. You, You immediately understand what's stressing him out. Also, an interesting moment in this too is he... He reaches over and picks up a little box and he sees that she has a full box of index cards that has every VHS labeled on it. A little weird, yeah. I mean, part of me would be like... I don't know how it would be helpful. Yeah. What, how would yeah, that be helpful? Yeah. That would be my first question is like, what do you use this for? <laughs> but two, that was a big fat box. I would be like, where are all these tapes at? Can I go look my at the collection? Is, it's in her storage my, unit because she lives in New York. Yeah, my guess is that she's laying in bed with lovers and they're trying to think about what movie to watch. And so she brings that out and they flip through that. And then she's like, great, I'll go get Without it. Without having to go to this. Okay. Actually, that's yeah. not bad because sometimes it's exhausting to go walk through, even though it's exciting to go look at a bunch of tapes on a wall. Post coitus, you don't want to get out of mm. bed and be browsing through some VHS tapes. You got a lot of tapes here, Meg. Let's see the collection and then let's hop back in these sheets. Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, this collection's getting me going. Ooh. And then we could have seen Princess Bride on the shelf. Oh. Or throw Mama from the train. Oh my god. <laughs> Billy Crystal's gotta have one in there too. So they call Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher separately, but they're talking to them in the same this is another, I think, unrealistic hide and thing, kind of like the Rolodex box. They both have their individual telephones at their bedsides, which is the way we live our lives now with our cell phones. Mm-hmm. But back then, you didn't have two separate landlines, one for husband, one for wife sitting at their <laughs> bedsides. No. But it works great for this scene. It's like a three-way split screen. And the way they did this was they they built all of these three rooms on the same set together and had them all do it at the same time. Wow, that's cool. They shot it 60 different times. Wow. Because like it's kind of a long sequence and it's all kind of got to be perfectly timed with each other and they you know every now and then they would just fuck up a thing and so they had to do it 60 that's times. That's fun though. That would have been So fun they had day. two cameras going at the same time? 3. So they had one camera on Bruno Kirby and Carrie Fisher in its set. Then they had a separate set mm-hmm. for Meg Ryan, camera on her, and then a separate set for Billy Crystal and a camera on him. Mm. Sounds magical. Fun, right? Yeah. So it's weird. They meet. They agree that it was probably not the best idea to have sex, but that they're not going to let it change anything. They're not going to do anything more. They're not going to go forward. But then they have this awkward silence as they eat their salad afterwards, which is telling that something's something's weird. Even though Billy Crystal tries to be like, don't you love it that you could just sit in silence with somebody? And we get a little we get a little montage where we kind of get to see stuff that we've seen before that they were doing together, but now they're all doing it alone. So there was like a sequence before where we get to see them pick a Christmas tree out together, but now we get to see Meg Ryan have to get the Christmas tree herself, and it's a funny little physical comedy gag where she's having to drag it up the street. He leaves some funny messages on her phone like, call me. When you get home, you can call me. very Albert Brooks. I did, yeah. Felt like the cable guy. Uh, He tries to get her to go to this New Year's Eve party with her, but she won't let him win her back. She goes to the party by herself. He starts strolling around town. This is basically the final scene of the movie. 
he's thinking about their relationship. We see a little montage of all these scenes they had together, and you hear like this voiceover of him saying the the question of the film of like, I don't believe men and women can be friends. And then he has like an epiphany and he starts running. And he runs to this New Year's Eve party and he finds her and she's like, What the fuck are you doing here? And he says And he says, arguably the most the second most iconic I love that you get cold when it's 71 degrees out. I love that it takes you an hour and a half to order a sandwich. I love that you get a little crinkle above your nose when you're looking at me like I'm nuts. I love that after I spend a day with you, I can still smell your perfume on my clothes. And I love that you are the last person I want to talk to before I go to sleep at night. And it's not because I'm lonely. And it's not because it's New Year's Eve. I came here tonight because when you realize you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody, you want the rest of your life to start as soon as possible. You see? That is just like you, Harry. You say things like that and you make it impossible for me to hate you. And I hate you, Harry. I really hate you. And that's a line that has been in so many people's wedding It's a beautiful line. And it's a beautiful line. And guess what? Hmm. Billy Crystal's line. He came up with it. He came up with it. Wow. And you know what else he came up with? The little furrowed brow line. Because he says, like, I love how you get this little nook in the center of your eyebrows when you look at me like I'm a nut job. That was because Meg Ryan really does have that little line in the center. And, and, and me too. You tapped on my shoulder when he said that. <laughs> I was like, damn. Because you're always talking about your little line. To use that in my wedding vows. You should be. I That's the, yeah. the problem with, so like with the, the Meg Ryan thing, uh, with the, I'll have what she's having. Watching it in the movie, it does not cringe me. But when I hear it taken out of a movie, then it does cringe me. When I hear somebody like put that in their vows or whatever, mm. like no shade to if you've done that. But that is when I get a little bit of the like, Ugh. but I mean, it is one of my favorite movies. So if you would have said it, I would have thought it was sweet in the moment. But hmm. yeah. What do you all think about this moment in general? I love it. I do too. I do like it, but I will say watching it this time, it felt. No, go fuck yourself. It's beautiful. I'm not saying it feels bad, but it feels, it does feel tacked. You know what I mean? Like, doesn't it feel a little out of nowhere? Yes, a little bit. Cause it's like, it seems like there should have been one more thing to make him realize like, oh my God, I'm an idiot. I do love her. But the speech and it being on New Year's, it's like, oh. Well, it's just like a little it. confusing. It's like uh, he's thinking about his his motto that he always believed that men and women can't be friends because sexual. And then the answer to his question is, I love her and I've got to go tell her that I love her. And so I'm like, so is the moral of the story that they that men and women can't be friends unless you are in love with them, in which case you can just have sex with them and be friends with them because you're in love <laughs> and you're going to get married together. Is that the moral of the story? I don't know. Either way, I like this moment because it's it works really well, and it's classic good rom com climax heightening. But I couldn't help but in the moment sort of feel like this does feel a little odd that he's suddenly doing this, uh, and to then to then read that like that wasn't the original ending of the movie. I know, movie. but if this movie would not have ended with them getting together, I agree. It it's would the right never have been it's as the right iconic choice. as it is. It's the right choice. It's just maybe doesn't quite. It's maybe not the most cohesive choice. What do you think, Justin? Did it did it have any sort of did it leave any questions in your mind about it, or, or did it just work? I thought it worked. When he started running, you were like, "Go get her, pal." I felt good when he was running. 
I like that energy. I like that. Tro- that's a trope. Well, yeah. I, you know? I, felt, but it's- I felt good that he was running, but I was expecting him to have something different to say, kind of. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, okay, he's got, he's thought of something. Something's on his mind. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought he was going to, I don't know, have a different speech other than just like, I realized something. I love you. I did think it was going to be more emotional, make me feel more emotional. I mean, there were plenty of moments throughout the film where I got emotional. Mm-hmm. I got emotional. But I, I got happy. teary-eyed. I got emotional I when he said that part. I they got part. together. Yeah. Mm, it moved me good. I will say too, it was hard for me. I it got me thinking because basically what he's doing is he's listing all the things that he might normally find annoying, but saying like, "I love all those things about you," and I did kind of try to start thinking about that, and I was like, "I I tolerate the things that I find annoying, but I don't know if I'd say I love them." All right, you have ready. <laughs> you uh, name five things you love about Corey, and you can't pause to think about it. Three, two, one, go. Personality. Beauty, humor, <laughs> ass, <laughs> okay, moving on, moving hey, now you gotta on. return it to me, what? three, two, one, go, ass, <laughs> personality, your talent, your kindness towards others, your love for our dog, how you provide for our family, how you accept my family, how you make me laugh. I could go on forever without a pause, bitch. What's, go further on Corey the kindness wins. for others. Corey wins. Thank you. The, what do you for the people, for the people, because you know that you're an asshole. Kindness for the sometimes people I do, you love. I'm like, sometimes I wonder. Kindness for the people that you love. But for the people I don't like. Y'all are getting the shit into this. The thing stick. about Jack when he's an asshole is it's never intentional. Now let's so, name five things that we love about Justin, but we ping pong. <laughs> I'll go first. Ass. It's not fair to say that we all have great asses. <laughs> yeah. We ask people. Yeah. Sense of humor. Yes. How he is, um, how he always checks in and is like very, very kind and sweet with that. Loyalty. Yes. Hugely loyal. His humor. I already said the humor. Oh, thing. you did. <laughs> I wasn't listening. It was to the you. thing I said. Well, he makes me laugh too, so I got to throw it in there too. Talent, most talented person I know. Wow, very rude over here, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> it's my turn, Corey. It's my turn. Just that was like you. six things. We ping ponged. Yeah, Jack only said four things to you. Oh, I didn't get a fifth out there. Uh uh-uh. uh humor, <laughs> beauty. Personality. I said personality. Ass. I said personality. personality. Humor, That's beauty, four. personality. <laughs> Rewind it back. Uh, listener. <laughs> we must move That would on. be, now imagine a movie scene. Imagine when Harry met Sally, if he ran up to her and just said five words. <laughs> We punched it up. Uh, they had, they they kiss at midnight. Camera pulls back, fade to black. Pop on our final documentary interview, and guys, guess who it is? It's Harry and Sally talking about coconut cake. And they're just one of the stories. This movie we've been watching is just one of a million stories out there. About love. It had to be you. It had to be you. Well, let's take a quick break. (laughs) And when we come back, we're going to have final thoughts on When Harry Met Sally. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking final thoughts on Rob Reiner's 1989 film, When Harry Met Sally. Corey, throwing it to you, babe. I mean, everything I said at the top of the episode is how I, f- I feel. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's my go-to feel-good movie. Meg Ryan is, if I could have just... Tenth of her charm, I would be loving my life. Oh, you've got She's probably like eighty percent of it, Justin. I'm gonna get on a plane and come to Vermont. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't blame you. <laughs> thanks. Maybe I can find some romance there. Oh, no, you've got a hundred and twenty percent of it. Uh-huh. She's she's needing to take some. Okay, from you. anyway, <laughs> this movie is just the best. I think I, I I long I long for movies like this, and I hope that one day. There will be movies like this again. Maybe I'll write one. Maybe I'll get to star in one. That's a dream. Um, Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love this movie. I think if you don't love this movie, there's a sadness within you. (laughs) There's a sadness within you. AKA, you suck. No, I'm not saying you suck. I just think there's a deep sadness within you. Yeah, I don't really have anything more to say besides I love it. I plan to watch it probably a hundred more times in my lifetime. Justin, what could you possibly have to add to that? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> well said, Corey. Thanks. Um, yeah, I agree. You, I think. It's, do you own this on DVD? I don't. I was going to ask if if you watched it on DVD. No. You streamed no, we it? streamed it. But I will. I want to. This might be the first time that, like, I Corey am saying, like, I will buy the hard yeah. copy to have in our collection Throw because. It deserves to have. There's its a own new Blu-ray copy. of it. I know. There's a new Blu-ray. I'm surprised this isn't like on Criterion. It might be coming because his Princess Bride is on there. Yeah, it feels like it would be. Yeah, 
I like the movie. I think uh, I have nothing else to add. I do feel like the movie could have accidentally bogged itself down more in like outdated gender stuff that would have maybe not uh, held up too well. And I don't think it it dug itself too deep into that hole. Mm-hmm. It rides the line a little bit. I do think that, mm-hmm. that there's some stuff that uh, would be different today uh, or worth exploring how when Harry met Sally would look in 2023. But for the most part, I think it does a good job of staying out of uh, outdated territory. Yeah, but but yeah, it, it's it's not my jam to to explore this genre. I'm not really that interested in these the frameworks of how people meet and fall in love within such a generic system like these movies typically portray them in. But it was extremely well done, well written, well directed, well performed, and fun, and had you know you compared it to Annie Hall, and I think it uh, it does a lot to kind of differentiate itself um, and show itself as a unique piece of art. Did you watch this with anybody or did you watch it by yourself? By myself. I would be curious to know what a younger crowd would think of the movie how much they would relate to it or how what they would think would maybe be outdated about it. Yeah, I Um, think it would have been, there would have been many eye rolls, especially like the first car conversation you know, anytime you say this is what men think and this is what women think, it just puts it into kind of an old school binary that I, I don't think is like right uh, mm-hmm. helpful conversation anymore. In its defense, though, I mean, he's supposed to be sort of eye rolly at that point in time, you know, that is like kind of the opinions of young, hot headed guys they have eye rolly opinions. So, yeah, I think the movie kind of, yeah, it serves what the movie is trying him. to do. Yeah. For totally. his character. Yeah. I think this is a good movie. I like it. It's a good hang. I like hanging out with the characters. I like being with these people. I think it is insightful in terms of um, dynamics and relationships. It is relatable. And um, it's interesting and, and fun. I will say we watched this on Amazon. We had to rent it. And the sound was awful. It kept, oh, yeah. I want to say that Amazon may have applied a noise filter to the movie as a whole because it kept dipping out the atmosphere and then would at times then fade out some of the dialogue at random occasions mm. and it sucked ass. And it makes me worried that streaming services, we all know that they will sometimes go and retroactively apply color correction to make an older movie look more modern. They'll add that sort of orange and blue color correction on things that were not shot that way. And it makes me worried that they're also just arbitrarily going in and like throwing in noise cancellation filters. I'm sure they think it's because they're making it a more enjoyable experience for people Mm -hmm. to watch, but it actually ruined a lot of these scenes for us. I was struggle busing the whole movie by whatever filter they had thrown on this movie. And I went back and like was looking up scenes on YouTube and they don't sound this way in reality. So it's something that Amazon did to it. I paid 4.99 to rent this thing you only that, to get folks, that boycott kind of shit. Amazon. Boycott Amazon. And it's again it's another uh it's an argument for physical media. A lot of time in most cases the physical media release is not going to have that kind of shit going on to it in most cases. It's not I'm not saying that doesn't happen sometimes, but Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about when Harry met Sally. What do you say we play? 
When blank met blank. I don't stand a chance. When blank met blank quiz. That's right, folks. It's the When Blank Met Blank quiz. Name the film based on the story of its couple. Oh, boy. For fun, I will present all these clues as limericks. Oh, don't ask me why. That sounds fun. I did the first one and it turned out to sound kind of like a limerick and I thought, well, I'll just make them all be limericks and that's what it's going to be. Okay, question number one. When Mickey met Mallory, they murdered her family and went on a cross-country spree. They drove till they were empty, left bodies Uh, aplenty, and got famous on evening TV. Natural Born Killers. Good job, Cor. Thanks. Question number two. When Guy met Girl... Their love did unfurl as they played street music and crooned. They used to be lowly, but then falling slowly won the Oscar for Best Original Tune. Ding, ding, ding! The Oscar winning musical Once. Remember that song? Take this gentle voice. You have a choice. Next. All right, Corey's got two points on the board. Question number three. When Edward met Vivian, he asked, could she be with him? For only a week, then they're done. He gave her three grand, snapped a box on her hand, and boy, did they have lots of fun. Corey, pretty woman. (laughs) Snapped a box on her hand? What does that mean? She's trying to get the, like, diamond necklace, and then he snatches it, and the iconic Uh, Julie Roberts going, iconic (laughs) improvised sequence when he's showing her the thing, and he snaps the box her hand, and she goes, wah! Yuck. That's real. (laughs) Yuck. Next. Keep it it moving. All right. Three to zip. Corey's lead. You don't have to announce the score. Question number four. Well, the the audience needs to know. We know. Question number four. When Holden met Alyssa, he wanted to kiss her. But there's one thing he didn't understand. That this blonde comic artist who he's growing in fondness is actually a lesbian. Corey chasing Amy. Ding, ding, ding! <laughs> Corey's killing it on the blank when blank met blank quiz. Are the, the limericks making it harder to keep up with? No, the last line gives it away so quickly every time. Question number five. When Ted met Mary, things got a little hairy. When he caused a bit of a scene. In the bathroom he slipped and Justin, accidentally something about Mary. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> accidentally Finally. zipped, ripping his Franken beans. How long did it take you to come up with all of these? Probably a solid hour. <laughs> oh my god, chat. <laughs> Please tell your friends to listen to this podcast. We must make money off of it eventually. Please. Question number six. Write us reviews. Subscribe to our Patreon. We beg of Putting in the work, folks. When Ronnie met Loretta, she liked his older brother better. But there was something about this strange man. Though she tried to resist it, he aggressively insisted. And she fell for his wooden hand. Justin... Kingpin? Oh, yeah. We're close. There is, a good, there is a wooden hand in that. Yeah. Can you think of another movie with a wooden hand? <laughs> Maybe it's more of a romantic comedy? 
Huh. A wooden hand romantic comedy. Older brother. When Ronnie met Loretta, she liked his older brother better. But there was something about this strange man. Though she tried to oh, resist it, it. Justin. The wedding singer? Uh, um. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. I don't want to say it. I'm getting the title wrong, and as soon as I say it, Corey's going to get it. Uh, moon, uh, share. Moonstruck, moonstruck. Moonstruck. I'm giving it to Justin. Uh, yeah. He knew what it was. I forgot about that. Funny. So Justin has two, and Corey has four. This final question mm-hmm. is worth everything. Ten points. <laughs> when Paul met Annie, he wasn't a fanny, but she was excited to meet. And as days went ahead, she kept him in her bed by drugging him and breaking misery, his feet. Misery, Corey, misery. <laughs> <laughs> Corey wins Corey the wins win the blank net blank quiz. A little Reiner reference right there at the end. The same way that he put misery in his film when Harry met Sally, I put misery in my quiz when blank met blank. <laughs> Now that's meta, folks. Brilliant. Thanks. Please wrap it up. Well, well that, my friends, that's our show. is the show. <laughs> Follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock those Cinema Possessed bonus materials. Those are our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Plus, you gain exclusive access to Patreon-only giveaways and community message boards. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. And Justin, let the people who've been listening this far know what movie we're going to talk about next week. Next week, we're talking about 1987's Raising Arizona with a very special... Guess. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Later, folks. Bye, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have what she's having. Ooh, good. That's good. Figured I'd tie it all back together. That's good. So